We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been there, done that. Today's episode might be a controversial one. As seasoned homeschoolers, we've noticed that the pandemic and sudden influx of homeschoolers over the last few years has unfortunately attracted some nefarious and predatory companies into the curriculum market. But we also know that there are a lot of differences in types of homeschoolers in general. We're not a homogenous bunch by any stretch, and so it's important to be able to sift through the enormity of the information that's out there to just find the perfect fit and path for your family. At the end of the day, we could all be homeschooling for completely different reasons, but we still don't want to see anyone fall prey to a scam or spend money on a program or organization that's not going to be a good fit or helpful to their family. And today we're going to be breaking it down for you. We'll be talking about what HSLDA is and whether you should join. We'll also be talking about the differences between religious, secular, and inclusive and ways to figure out if a group is a right fit for your family. And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Maria. How's it going today? I'm doing great. It is early today. We normally don't record this early. I know. I am hitting the road today to travel up to St. Louis, so I had to get it done. Yeah, get your daughter back to college, and we kicked off our homeschool. You know, last time we talked about that, I was about to start school. Yeah. And we did, and it only took me almost 20 years. I got it right. Like, it was a perfect start to our... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So... I do a soft start for an entire week where we we start classes next week. Yeah, we kind of lay out expectations, time management and all that stuff and download any syllabi and anything that we need. And it was just seamless. It was perfect. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. And we've had a couple not back to school events this week that you planned for our group. We went to Top Golf and that was fun with a bunch of teenagers. And that was in the middle of the day. And I went to play tennis with my friends later that night. How was work? And I'm like, well, I top golf all day. <laughs> yeah, that was an easy breezy lifestyle. We're just golfing and then tennis and then awesome. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, everything's going really well with school. So I'm excited about I'm always excited at the start of a school year. I am too. And I just saw on another webpage yesterday, homeschool meme. And it was actually a quote from Susan Weisbauer. I'm not sure where she made it or when, but it said everybody wants to give up in October and February. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Which is true. So, you know, we've talked about that. We got to ride this high. Ride the high. Back to school and get all peppy and everything. I've got everything ready for next week. It's and... exciting. I love new beginnings. I love fresh starts. Just yeah. whatever. No, I actually need to start that whole new workout routine too. Oh, gosh. So. <laughs> well, we finally can because we had a cold front here in Texas where it's been like 187 degrees every day <laughs> all summer long. And uh, it's only like 10 degrees cooler, but we're all like, whoo. Yeah. Fall. Pumpkin spice. Yeah, I think it was 95 <laughs> the other day. I know. And everybody's like, whoa, it's so cold. I need a sweater. <laughs> sweater weather. <laughs> it was crazy. But, well, you know what? Let's get into this hard-hitting expose episode that we're doing today. Dot, dot, dot. 
So it goes without saying that transparency varies between organizations and online groups and companies, and finding conflicts of interest can be daunting. By honing your critical thinking skills when evaluating and being mindful of different biases, you can navigate the complex landscape of information and make more informed judgments. When looking at homeschool organizations, groups, and curriculum purveyors, you want to examine ownership of the organization. You want to determine if there are any potential conflicts of interest based on the political or corporate affiliations of the owners. Media consolidation or bias can influence the content and the presentation of any news that they put out. Right. You also want to scrutinize their funding sources. Look for any financial ties or affiliations that may influence the information that's presented. Consider whether the funding sources are vested in a particular outcome or narrative. Is this spinoff group that's owned or operated by a different larger company with a different viewpoint? And don't just look at who donates or sponsors them. Who do they donate to and who do they sponsor? Exactly. Do you want your money going to these groups? Right. And likewise, what are their connections? You want to examine any potential affiliations that individuals posting or the organization may have. Does a financial or professional relationship impact their objectivity or bias? Do they feature a review or advertisement from a public figure that has absolutely nothing to do with education? (laughs) Right. Is it a real person with experience? Sometimes in homeschool groups, there's brand new profiles with like only a couple Facebook friends and or a stock photo. And you can easily search in a group to see if somebody's been posting repeatedly about a certain product and maybe nothing else. That's a big red flag. It's also typically against the rules of most groups to post without identifying that you're affiliated or employed by the company that you're promoting. Yeah, and you also want to evaluate any disclosure statements. If a homeschool organization lacks transparency or has incomplete disclosures, that is a red flag too. If I can't even identify what the company's worldview is, there's a chance that they aren't even aligned with your family's values. And if they aren't, you won't want to purchase their product. Right. Cross-check multiple sources. Verify information by seeking diverse sources and experiences. Relying on a single source or an outlet increases the risk of biases and conflicts of interest. So use that search bar. See what other users are saying and don't trust the company or organization to vouch for themselves. Yeah, these are simple things that you can do to determine whether a company or a group is legitimate and worthy of your membership and money. So one of the biggest things that you'll see on posts and pages about getting started in homeschooling is the advice to immediately join HSLDA or other state-focused homeschooling associations. So do I need to join HSLDA, which is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association? Well, back in the early 1980s, home education was widely illegal and still typically fell under truancy laws and statutes which govern compulsory education in many states. In response, a batch of lawyers founded the HSLDA and over the decades have pursued the abolishment of homeschooling regulation and oversight. And they've largely succeeded. Not only is homeschooling legal in every state, but in some states, parents aren't even required to notify anyone of their intent to homeschool. And we're in one of those states, and we've talked about this before, that while we love the ease of homeschooling here and being completely off the grid, it does make you realize that any homeschool statistics about Texas are completely fabricated. 
no one has any idea how many of us there really are. I know. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah. I mean, there may be a number of kids who've left school. Maybe they've tracked that way. But there's no real list of homeschoolers otherwise. Like, none of our kids have ever been in the system. Yeah, mine. They're not even tallied in any of those statistics. Yeah, no. I thought it was completely bizarre when we moved here and didn't have to provide any information. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal to just file a letter of intent in other states. They're just very simple. And the HSLDA defines themselves as a nonprofit organization in the U.S. that advocates for the rights of homeschooling families and provides legal support to homeschooling parents facing legal challenges. And the organization's stated mission is to preserve and protect the rights of parents to educate their children at home. I know. Sounds like something we'd be on board with, right? Sounds like it. Hmm. However, some critics and observers have speculated about hidden agendas or broader motivations behind the organization's activities. For one, they're primarily a lobbying group. Right. And lobbying involves advocating for specific policies, legislation, or regulations to government in order to influence the decisions and actions of lawmakers. And HSLDA advocates for laws and regulations that support the rights of homeschooling families and parents who choose to educate their children at home. But their lobbying efforts typically revolve around issues related to homeschooling regulations, parenting rights, and educational freedom. This can include advocating against overly restrictive regulations or requirements that could impede parents' ability to homeschool their children. Often, though, there is an underlying agenda to promote conservative Christian values and religious beliefs through homeschooling. And they may be more focused on shaping the curriculum and educational content according to these values. Yeah, and HSLDA's Homeschooling Foundation is a member of the American Legislative Exchange Council, the ALEC, and that's an organization that drafts model conservative legislation for distribution to state legislatures, and they are on ALEC's Education Task Force. Catherine Brightbill is a policy analyst at the Coalition for Responsible Home Education. This is an organization founded by homeschool alumni who seek sensible homeschooling reforms. And she says this about HSLDA. HSLDA has had an outsized role in shaping homeschool culture, including secular homeschool culture. Whatever noble motivations they may have had to help homeschoolers at the organization's onset, their belief that children don't have rights, that only parents have rights, combined with the decision to take parents' claims at face value instead of vetting the cases they choose, has made them an organization that enables child abuse and educational neglect. Yeah, their focus on policy and legislation also has an impact on public education. There are concerns that a strong homeschooling movement supported by organizations like HSLDA might lead to decreased funding and support for public education, and that can potentially weaken the overall quality and accessibility of education for all children. I mean, we're already seeing this happen with school choice and voucher legislation that's come up this year in a lot of states and the overall destabilizing of the public school system. Yeah. And another thing about HSLDA is that they do not serve all families. Mm -hmm. Unless you're a Christian family, and and I mean a documentably Christian family, there's a very good chance that they will not represent you. They will take your money, but they will not represent you. And over the years, I have personally known three cases, and actually probably more than three at this point, where they refused to help families whose money that they took. Because when the family asked for help, they decided that that family wasn't the right type of family for them to Uh represent. And it's so important for anybody giving money to them to know that your membership dues 
put them under absolutely no obligation whatsoever to give you any legal aid. There's no guarantee, there's no policy in place that your membership money entitles you to any legal defense whatsoever. They can choose to represent you or not for any reason that they see fit. And the thing is that in a majority of states, the homeschooling regulations are relatively simple. If you get confused or you run into minor trouble, most states have a statewide organization that can help you. It's very rare for people to actually run into trouble with the state over homeschooling. But if you do, it's likely you would have to get your own lawyer anyway. Like here in Texas, like the Department of Family Services, they're not going to investigate a family just because of homeschooling. And that's like a fear that people are always talking about. But I mean, we've homeschooled for a long time. And yeah. like 30 I, years between the two of us. Nicole. Right. And like, you never really hear this happening. Or when when it is, it's it's not because of homeschooling. Right. It's because of another issue. Well, and this is actually probably one of the good things that came out of COVID is that the abundance of homeschoolers is becoming more and more common and less weird for yeah. the common person to know about it or know somebody who is homeschooling. Another thing about HSLDA is they have a particular agenda and a particular view of homeschooling to advance. They have an extremely conservative political agenda and stick their nose into issues that have absolutely nothing to do with homeschooling. In particular, they are anti-gay. They have never been subtle about their dislike of the LGBTQ people or their impassioned advocacy to ensure that LGBTQ communities are denied human rights and education. In 2004, HSLDA promoted promoted a constitutional amendment that would ban gay and lesbian couples from not only the institution of marriage, but also civil unions. We are inclusive homeschoolers and we embrace the LGBTQ community and it is a slap in the face after so much work has been done in these communities to create equal opportunities for all families. Yeah. Another thing is they use fear tactics to drive membership. I can't tell you how many times I've seen posts from or about HSLDA that describe some crazy homeschooling story and how HSLDA had to step in and save the day and fix it. And then everyone's like, this is why you should join. This is exactly why I pay my membership fees. I don't know if you remember that German family like several years ago, that whole they seeked asylum, they got deported. It made national news, but there was way more to the story than what was presented it really was not it was not like exactly a homeschool family in peril right Social workers and child protective services were consistently portrayed as evil and people who abuse their power. HSLDA has used resources like the court report and email alerts and Facebook posts to fuel fear and distrust of government. They act like you're facing certain doom if you don't have their protection, but the reality is you don't need them. They just want you to think that you do. And the trouble is HSLDA essentially worked itself out of a job. So long as homeschoolers follow whatever regulations exist in their states, and these do vary from nothing at all to requiring annual portfolios, these families are completely fine when they follow these rules. They don't need legal insurance. It's not the 1980s anymore. Right. There's also a concern that they kind of cater to parent rights extremism. While HSLDA primarily focuses on homeschooling rights, some critics suggest that the organization's advocacy for homeschooling rights might be part of a broader agenda to expand parental rights, potentially including the right to make medical decisions for children, even in cases where those decisions could have negative health outcomes. 
They're also known for advocating against government regulation and oversight of homeschooling. Critics contend that the organization's push for minimal government involvement might be motivated by a desire to limit the ability of authorities to ensure that homeschooled children are receiving a well-founded and comprehensive education. Unfortunately, this can also lead to cases of abuse. And there are concerns that HSLDA's support for homeschooling could potentially enable some families to isolate their children from diverse viewpoints and experiences. Critics worry that this isolation could lead to indoctrination and limit children's exposure to a range of perspectives. Yeah. And lastly, almost all the information that they provide is also available for free (laughs) online. You can find it everywhere, seriously. You do not need to pay for a membership when all of this information is accessible. Right. HSLDA has developed a brilliant company strategy, fear-mongering. A fear-based decision is not a logical one, and the best way to overcome these fears they have worked so hard to put into our heads is to educate yourself on your state laws, be proactive, and your family's advocate We have a handy guide on our website where we give a summary for each state and link to each state's education department. Join homeschool groups in your area, hone those critical thinking skills, and know that knowing your rights is your family's best defense. So just a reminder that this is a weekly episode. We drop one every Thursday morning just for you. And if you have any additional ideas or comments, please come and comment on our Facebook page on the episode thread or send us an email at info at btdthomeschool.com. We'd really love to hear from you. So what does religious, secular, and inclusive really mean? When it comes to homeschooling, the terms secular, inclusive, and religious refer to different approaches and types of educational materials used in curriculum, homeschool groups, and homeschool social gatherings. So here's a breakdown of each category, Nicole. Secular homeschooling materials are those that are not tied to any particular religious belief or doctrine. They focus on providing education from a non-religious perspective, emphasizing a neutral and objective approach to academic subjects. Secular materials aim to be inclusive of various beliefs and worldviews, focusing on facts, critical thinking, and a well-rounded education without religious bias. Yeah, and they're typically ideal for families who want an education without a religious bias or have a diverse range of beliefs. It also emphasizes critical thinking, scientific reasoning, and a well-rounded education. And also secular materials generally are well-suited for families who want to expose their children to a variety of world viewpoints. Yeah. So inclusive homeschooling materials are going to take into account the diversity of beliefs, cultures, and backgrounds among students and families. These materials strive to represent a wide range of perspectives, experiences, and identities. And inclusive materials acknowledge and respect differences, fostering an environment where students can learn about and appreciate various viewpoints and cultures. Inclusive materials are suited for families who value diversity, cultural awareness, open-mindedness. They're going to foster an environment of tolerance and respect for different perspectives. And inclusive materials can also help children develop empathy and an understanding of global issues. And then moving on to religious materials, and religious homeschooling materials are rooted in the specific religious faith or belief system. They incorporate religious teachings, values, perspectives into various subjects across the entire curriculum. And these materials are often used by families who want to provide a religious education that aligns with their faith. Religious homeschooling materials can be tailored to different denominations and belief systems, and it allows families to integrate their religious beliefs into their children's education 
And I see it in everything, even in math sometimes. (laughs) I know. It always seems weird to me that you can make math religious. But uh, religious materials typically are going to be chosen by families who wish to integrate their religious beliefs into their children's education. They provide a foundation for spiritual and moral development aligned with a specific religious teaching. They're also tailored to families who prioritize passing down religious traditions and values. So to further complicate things, though, there's also some homeschool curriculum groups that are designated as neutral. So while by definition, neutral homeschool materials and groups should refer to educational resources that are free from bias, whether it's religious, political, or cultural, we often find that instead, neutral materials aim to avoid promoting any particular ideology or perspective. So we see this most often in science curricula, where providers are hesitant to provide facts about evolution so that they may not dissuade people who believe in creation from buying their products or vice versa. Right. And a secular homeschooler, probably that wouldn't align with them what they want to teach evolution. (laughs) And if it's completely omitted from the curriculum, how do you do that? Right. But we also see this in religious curriculum companies who may want to market a neutral or a secular program in order to secure more customers. And it's important to note that just removing Bible quotes or religious content does not make a program secular. You cannot erase an overall worldview. No, you can't. And this can get really tricky for secular schoolers because, you know, over the years, secular groups have gotten to be really strict about these definitions, too. And you have to understand that when Weeble started homeschooling, there weren't a ton of truly secular options out there. We really had to adapt a lot of things, and there might be some things that I'm still okay using because I know and like other parts of the program or because there's, like, nothing else like it out there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like your math curriculum you use. Yeah. But younger homeschoolers have seen the advance of truly secular programs and may be unwilling to compromise. And that's great. We should demand and advocate for the things we want to invest in and get what we want. But sometimes these rules can be so strict or rigid, in my opinion, and I've seen secular providers get deemed not secular for maybe just one small thing. I know. I've seen some throwing of the baby out with the bathwater. I think we should do our best to support other secular providers, but still be open to using what works for your family. I mean, that's the ultimate goal of homeschooling that we talked about all the time here is catering that individualized education experience. And of course, this disparity isn't just between religious and non-religious materials. You also have to be careful when purchasing religious materials if you're a Christian homeschooler, because these are not all the same either. Yeah, they are are not at all. The terms old earth and young earth refer to differing viewpoints of the earth's age and the universe within the context of creationism. And these viewpoints often come up in discussions related to science education, particularly in the homeschooling community. The differences between old earth and young earth perspectives are primarily centered around the interpretation of scientific evidence, geological processes, and religious beliefs. Right. So the old Earth perspective holds that Earth and the universe are billions of years old as determined by scientific evidence, such as radiometric dating, geological layers and astronomical observations. This viewpoint generally aligns with mainstream scientific consensus and the theory of evolution. And in an old Earth perspective, the creation days described in religious texts may be interpreted as symbolic or metaphorical rather than a literal 24 hour periods. Yeah. And homeschooling 
materials that incorporate an old earth perspective, you might find references to geological timescales, discussions about fossils, and explanations of the various scientific methods used to estimate the age of the earth and the universe. And these materials typically aim to reconcile scientific understanding with religious beliefs by interpreting religious texts in a way that allows for an ancient earth. Now, the young Earth perspective asserts that Earth and the universe are relatively young, often interpreted as around 6,000 to 10,000 years old, based on a literal reading of certain religious texts. Um, Advocates of this viewpoint reject the scientific consensus on the age of the Earth, and they often reject evolution in favor of creationism. Young Earth proponents may present alternative explanations for geological features and radiometric dating methods, and these are often in the belief of a global flood event. Right. Homeschool materials that follow a young earth perspective might emphasize a literal interpretation of creation accounts, present counter arguments to mainstream scientific theories, and promote alternative explanations for natural phenomena. These materials typically align with religious organizations or ministries that advocate for young earth creationism. A lot of times they like to put out their own curriculum to promote their agenda. I never really knew this whole young earth theory was a thing until I started homeschooling in Texas. It, it might have been when we went camping at Dinosaur Valley State Park and then I saw that there was like a creation museum next door. Oh, that's such a great park, though. I I do love Dinosaur Valley. (laughs) Ultimately, when selecting homeschool materials, it's so important to align your choice with your family's values, your beliefs, and all of the educational goals that you laid out. It's sometimes baffling to see people make big purchases without fully researching the simple idea of worldview, or they choose a free curriculum because it's free and it doesn't align with their family. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Right? No matter what your worldview is, I think everybody would want to know that what they're buying aligns with their beliefs. Right. Then they say, oh, I don't mind because it's free. Well, you may want to buy something that's of value for your family because your children, this is actually changing their worldview. Exactly. It's not going to be in line with yours. So consider what type of education you want to provide for your children and choose materials that support those objectives. It's also worth noting that some families blend different types of materials to create a well-rounded and personalized curriculum. I know I do and I love that. Right. It's, again, that beauty of homeschooling. So now, of course, there is a big difference between not quite grasping the importance of worldview and your choices and downright getting scammed. So let's talk about some of these nefarious homeschool curriculum purveyors and how to avoid them. Well, this, again, is something that really started to become a problem since COVID. Maybe before doing our own podcast and doing so much research, we didn't see it as much, but there definitely was a surge because of a sudden awareness in an untapped market. Right. I think following the pandemic, when you had a ton of people that were coming into this quick, they're desperate, they're looking for answers quickly was a prime time for companies or people to take advantage. And they did. And like we mentioned earlier about using your critical thinking skills to determine the legitimacy of groups and organizations, we highly recommend taking the following steps before purchasing a curriculum or a program. Number one, check the company's official website and online presence. Legitimate companies typically are going to have a professional website with clear information about their products and services, and they're going to have contact details and terms of use. 
Yeah. Did their company and website just go up in the last couple of years? Can you find information about the company prior to that? Or is their name very similar to another popular curriculum that is actually legitimate, but so close in name that you may accidentally buy the wrong one? Let me tell you, that's not an accident. <laughs> not an accident at all. Does the company have a website that attracts certain vague keywords? I mean, we're all trying to attract people with keywords, but one I'm thinking of in particular recently had a web address that read something like online homeschool curriculum when it's a company that does not actually provide online homeschool curriculum, just PDFs. They recently changed the address after that kept coming up, but you can still route to it through there. Isn't that crazy? It sure is. Totally sketchy. Does the company advertise deceptively by putting fake profiles in homeschool groups or even setting up fake homeschool groups themselves in which they can block any negative commentary about their products or advertise without regard to the rules? One such company set up a homeschooling group in each state that they run. They also got mad that they were banned from a popular middle and high school homeschooling group and set up their own with a really similar name. Not surprisingly, we've both been banned from this company's <laughs> fake groups by calling them out. As a matter of fact, when I brought it up to admin that I thought there was some fake profiles and spammers in the group, and then magically the spammers blocked me within a few minutes. So I couldn't even see any other posts anymore or call them out to warn other people. Right. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Y'all, there's some serious <laughs> sketch going yeah. on. And I can't tell if it's like one person that does all of it or if they actually hire a bunch of fake people to be these fake profiles. And, you know, typically homeschool groups have rules about spam and advertising. It's typically not considered appropriate on most groups to provide like affiliate links or links to groups without indicating that it's your group or your company. And there's a very popular homeschool company that pays people for posts with links. And several groups have made rules that you cannot mention this group with the clickable web address. You have to say like blank blank dot com spell out the dot com and it made me completely wary about the company in general when i found out that they did this yeah there's a local husband and wife with a homeschool business in which the husband will come on and he posts and he talks vaguely never mentioning his wife's business but they've been banned from a couple of groups for deceptive marketing practices <laughs> i know he tried to come at me recently in a comment section on a post and say that i didn't support early college because of my response and i was like what are you talking about both my kids got associate degrees in high school i know that's I, I, crazy but then i was like but i know you have a vested interest in doing college and high school since your wife owns a company that does this and he piped down oh my gosh that's crazy you know, legit companies are usually pretty open about who their experts are writing their programs to. They usually want you to see that their writers are actual people that have some kind of education or relevant professional experience in the subject that they're writing about. They probably will actually have a photo, a real photo of a real person, not a watercolor avatar, much like an author bio does, like on any other book. <laughs> right. And that writer, you should be able to Google them and see them too. Right. And see what they're... Are they legitimate, yeah, right? Here's your professional experience. Your homeschool mom of 25 years. It doesn't need to be like education. You, like you don't need to hold multiple degrees. We've already talked about that. But, right. Right. But hopefully you actually are a homeschool mom or parent. Right. You want to ensure that the company provides valid contact information, including an email, address, phone number, and physical address. Legitimate companies are going to be transparent about their location and how to reach them. 
You also want to look for reviews and testimonials from customers who have used the company's products or services. Online reviews can provide insights into the company's reputation. Right, and make sure that those reviews and um, awards won are from actual legitimate reviewers and resources. Like we've mentioned Kathy Duffy before um, as a great source for curriculum reviews. But one such predatory company lists themselves as award-winning. Everybody's always, oh, it's great, it's award-winning. I'm always like, what awards? Like, what awards are out there? But ironically, the link to the award that they've won is from a website that they also own. And all the other... Yeah, it's crazy. And all the other reviewed items are companies that have affiliate links that also benefit from this particular provider, like listing them on there. Like there's no other companies that you would recognize. Crazy. Like unless you know they have an affiliate link. Right. And a lot of people that pull their kids out, they just want to hurry up and buy something. And they see these advertisements because they have plenty of money to advertise. And so that's what they buy. It sucks you in. Yeah, it does. So pay attention to the company's overall professionalism, including the quality quality of their website, their branding and communications, legitimate companies tend to invest in a professional image. A couple of these companies are so easy to pick out once you notice them because not only are they not professional, but they have the same style to everything they put out from supporting websites, posts, and even their fake profile pictures. <laughs> I know. Remember when we first kind of stumbled on that one company and Ugh. we would see their fake profiles, you could tell that they were told, okay, pick a cover photo that's a landscape. Pick right. a profile picture that's a flower or the back of a kid's head. So it looks like you have kids, even though you're probably right. like and, 22. And like if their profile is two months old and they have one friend. Right. That might be a clue in that they might not be legitimate or even a real person. Or they had five friends, but those five friends were the other profiles that we'd already picked out as being fake. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You can also check to see if a company is registered with relevant authorities in its jurisdiction. Legitimate companies have official business registrations and licenses. So you can contact their customer support with any questions and concerns you might have and legitimate companies will provide prompt and helpful responses. It's kind of an indicator that they're legit. Right. A very popular homeschool company last year made a big change in how you could use their product, resulting in tons of homeschoolers losing their students' work and records for the entire year. When parents complained online, they were blamed for using the product incorrectly and their posts were deleted by the company. And then the owner came on and doubled down with some really ugly comments about homeschoolers in general. And they lost so much business when that happened. It was mind blowing. We personally never looked at them as a resource in the first place because uh, the owner was in a cult and yeah. <laughs> like lacked professional education experience in the first place. But a lot of people were apparently willing to overlook that for $25 a month. You get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah. Search for companies in homeschool groups and see the ones that do not provide as promised and then do not refund when they say they would. Also, when you see a post or recommendation, click on that person recommending to see if they are also contributing to the community or are they just promoting this product over and over and over again? Uh, right. Like you can go in and search their other posts if they're yeah. if that's the only thing that they're ever posting about. Mm, chances are they work for them. Another red flag to be cautious of is companies that ask for personal or financial information up front, make unrealistic promises, or pressure you to make really quick decisions. Yeah. What about lifetime memberships? No <laughs> way. I would seriously advise against buying anything marketed as a lifetime membership. There's no way that my kids or really anybody's kids that I know 
that learn the same way as they have grown and matured. Their needs have changed, their life has changed, and the things that you want to teach your children and how you want to teach them has also shifted. So often people are stuck with a lifetime membership that they can't use because it doesn't even work for their family anymore. And what about a program that is for sale for this week only or deeply discounted? Sometimes these programs are actually always for sale. You just happen to pop on it right then. <laughs> right. Or it's like going to a store like Justice or Bed Bath & Beyond. The Both of those are closed. You can't go to those anymore. But, you know, you would go in and you would have your 20% off coupon and the store is running a sale that's also 20%. It's not that you're actually getting 20% off. It's that the entire store is upcharged 20% and you're actually paying the real price. But everyone likes to feel like they're getting a deal, right? So this can prompt people to make some quick decisions when they really should have taken a couple minutes to research. Definitely. We ultimately decided not to name names in this episode because these are businesses that make money and they probably can afford lawyers. (laughs) Whereas we here at BTDT Homeschool are doing this as our passion project and we are existing to only help others. We've already seen how they block and delete comments online and you're totally welcome to message us before buying and verify that this is not the company we're talking about though. Wink, wink. We totally have your back. We have your back. And after you finish listening to this episode, be sure to visit our website. We're going to write up all of the show notes and have links to everything that we're talking about. So it's just really easy for you to access and reference. Every week, I like to create free resources that complement that episode. So be sure to sign up to our newsletter so you don't miss any of that exclusive content. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, we would love it if you went out there and gave us a thumbs up or even comment on the episode thread. So how do I find out if a group is right for my family? So what about in-person groups, local homeschool co-ops, university model schools, pods, like all of these different things? You know, a lot of states have very loose regulations about how many people a person can homeschool, whether you can homeschool with people that aren't your kids, how many students constitute a school and then are then subject to health and other business and insurance regulations. Following the pandemic, a lot of options in alternative schooling and social groups popped up. And so determining whether a homeschool group is the right fit for your family and involves careful consideration of several factors. And here's a step-by-step guide to help you make an informed decision. You want to start by researching the homeschool groups available in your area. You can use online homeschooling forums, social media groups, local community centers, and homeschool association websites to find potential groups. Right. I personally like to always search with words like secular or inclusive. If these are not included, then I'm going to assume that the group is a religious one as a default. Especially here in Texas. Right. Look into the activities and offerings provided by the group. Some homeschool groups focus on field trips, social events, co-op classes, and extracurricular activities. Assess whether these align with your family's interests and needs. Yeah, one thing that we found difficult sometimes were groups that had like really strict age limits on things. Often homeschool families have multiple age kids, and this can be difficult when we're typically also the only parent available to take them. And generally, I understand, uh, you know, having age groups for teens and such. But sometimes if a group has too many different age designations, it can be an indicator that it's not quite created by a homeschooler or group that understands that we're all kind of in it together. Yeah. Or just not be a fit for your family. That might work really well with ones who just have one child. Yeah. And you want to consider your family's homeschool goals and educational philosophy. Different homeschool groups might have varying approaches to teaching, to curriculum and learning styles. 
Remember that homeschoolers are all very different. Some families may want to outsource more than others. Some may want to outsource academics or some may only want to do extracurriculars or field trips. Make sure you are on the same page with the rest of the group. Right. I can tell you from our years in a co-op that it sometimes could be frustrating for kids to be in a class that maybe not everybody takes seriously. My kids were in a writing class one time where they were like the only ones that would ever do the assignment every week. And so the teacher just kept pushing the due dates out because then she couldn't do the project with the kids. And I also taught a book club. Remember my funny book club well, where I had the kid that the was... the kids wouldn't read the book? No, they didn't read the book. And then I finally had like several weeks into the class. Some kid was like, hey, is this a movie? Because I haven't seen it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so make sure the worldview is a match. Don't sign your child up for a science class that uses Christian content if you want a secular class. <laughs> exactly. Just don't do it. Don't say, hey, I can just tell them otherwise. Right. They're learning and they're learning things that you don't want them to learn. So don't put them in that. Exactly. Check the membership requirements of the group too. Some groups may require a certain level of commitment, participation, or financial contribution. Make sure you're comfortable with the group's expectations. Some groups have really strict rules about things like dress code. I left a group over an adult dress code. I personally am not going to be a part of a group that is going to tell me how to dress. But I'm also not going to participate in groups that have rules for girls that are different than the rules for boys. Nope. Many religious homeschool groups require a statement of faith. And I know a lot of people who are so desperate for a social outlet that they're willing to sign this even if they don't believe it. Many times these statements are discriminatory against certain people. Often they are specific anti-LGBTQ statements. And these are not the groups for me. Nope, not me either. Also check whether the group is inclusive and open to families of different backgrounds, beliefs, and homeschooling styles. A diverse group can enrich your entire homeschool experience. Yeah, and also you want to be careful to look through mission statements. There is a local University of Model School here that has a very vague inclusion statement that leaves out significant groups of people. So make sure you look at that fine print. Right. Even if your their worldview is not clear from there, you can usually kind of catch snippets of it in different places on their websites. You also want to consider the size of a homeschool group. A larger group may offer more diverse activities and opportunities, but it also could be overwhelming for some families. A smaller group might provide a more intimate setting, but with fewer resources. And you don't have to be just part of one. Like we've been part of several groups through the years and they all have a little something different to offer. Also, you want to think about the location of the group's activities and events and consider the distance you want to travel and whether the timing of events fits with your family's schedule. Remember the myth of socialization? It can be super easy to overschedule yourself with activities. While many of us are willing to drive for awesome things in the beginning, that may not be a workable option for the long term. You also want to check and consider the level of parent involvement required in the group. Some groups might expect parents to contribute in various ways, while others may have a more relaxed approach. I see a lot of people who are always looking for drop-off co-ops. Well, co-op means cooperative, so usually that's going to imply that parent participation is a must. And we've both taught classes at co-ops over the years. Like, don't be afraid yeah. of parent participation. It's a really great way to use curriculum that you haven't um, used yet. Yeah, that you have collecting. <laughs> 
dust on the <laughs> right. bookshelf. Make your kids take your own class. That's what I always did. Yeah, it's kind of a downfall to new homeschoolers. You know, sometimes we buy everything and then we realize we can't do everything. So it sits there and it's really great stuff. But it was like, these are opportunities to right. use that. Do it. You also want to, if possible, attend a few events or activities hosted by the group as a trial before committing. If the group offers orientation sessions or informational meetings, attend one to learn more about the group's structure, their goals, and expectations. This will give you a firsthand experience of the group's dynamics and whether it suits your family. Sometimes I like to just meet up at the park and see if our kids get along too. Right. Yeah. You want to see if you uh, vibe with them. Some groups even require this of you before you attend one group that we're members of make you come to like a park day before you're actually able to sign up for the group so that they can meet you in person and I've also mentioned before that my family has a rule of trying everything three times so sometimes a group changes from week to week give it more than one chance you might meet your new bestie family on the third trip right as the kids get older this gets harder and harder I will say it really does So reach out to current members of the homeschool group that you're considering and ask about their experiences. Their insights can provide a lot of information about the group's strengths and their potential drawbacks. But most of all, trust your instincts and how you feel about the group after gathering information and interacting with some of its members. If something doesn't feel right, it's okay to explore other options. Right. Every family is unique and the right homeschool group for one family might not be the best fit for another. So take your time, gather information, prioritize what aligns best with your family's values. So tune in next week, episode 45, which is going to be the eighth in our high school series. We're going to be talking about high school socialization. How much time should my high schooler spend with friends? What can I do to help my high schooler develop meaningful friendships? And should my high schooler date? Ooh, dating. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, we're going to talk about all that and more. See See you you later. Cheers. Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com as in been there, done that, btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at the BTDT Been There, Done That Homeschool Podcast. <laughs>